Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. Hey, Renaissance Church family, friends, guests, thank you for joining us today. It is an honor that you would take time and, and engage in the Word of God with the people of God, the family of God today. I know we're scattered all over, but uh, I am so glad to be with you here online today. We are in a series called Stronger, and we felt like in this season, as the people of God, we, need, we needed to prophetically declare that this is the summer of Stronger, that in a time on planet Earth where it feels like everything could weaken us, right? That we actually have an opportunity to get stronger and to emerge stronger from this, right? This will end eventually, but what condition will we be in when it does? Today, I want to talk to you specifically about stronger joy. And I want to begin with a question. What brings joy to your heart. What brings joy to your heart? Now, some of you have been around the church a long time, and maybe you're running to some Sunday school answers. And uh, for those of you that are in that camp, I just want you to be honest and open about that question, right? What is it that brings you joy? You see, our culture would define joy much like the word happiness, and a kind of a street-level definition of happiness would be getting what you want, getting what you want. And we might add this one little detail of when you want it, (laughs) because we are uh, impatient people, right? We want what we want, and we want it when we want it. And so that seems to be the street-level definition of happiness, that uh, seeking after what you want could be pleasure. I mean, that seems to be everywhere in our culture, seeking after pleasures, worldly pleasures. It could be power, right? Just getting the leg up on somebody else or climbing the ladder. It could be prestige, that people would look at you as an expert or a, a leader or, or somebody who is wise in their field or an example to them, right? That you would have prestige. It could be comfort. It could be symbols of success of a house or a car or a number of followers on your social media account or whatever type of symbols of success you might want to fill in the blank. But it's getting what you want and you want to get it when you want it. And if you can't get what you want, when you want it, you're unhappy. And I think that these would be very, very frustrating times to live by that definition of happiness. 
today, as we talk about joy, I want us to look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. If you want to start turning there, maybe in a Bible, if you have the good old-fashioned paper Bible like I have right here, or if you have an app that you uh, read the Bible on, you can go there as well. But 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9, and Peter, just so you know, is one of Jesus's close friends and disciples. Jesus had a band of 12 disciples. Peter was one of those 12. Jesus also had a larger band of disciples, but within the 12, he had three really, really close friends that he seems to draw out for special occasions. And Peter was one of those people. He probably spent more time on planet earth with Jesus as as a disciple than any other person, or, or at least most of the other disciples. And Peter's writing this book to Christians in the first century who have been scattered because of persecution. These are people who have gone through some really hard stuff. And he talks to them about joy. Let's read this together. 1 Peter 1, starting in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Verse 5, you are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed In the last time, you rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him. And you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. So here we have Peter writing to people who have gone through terrible, terrible things. They've gone through persecution. Some of them may have been beaten. Some of them have had family members killed possibly, right? These guys have been ridden out of town because they placed their faith in Jesus Christ and they were persecuted for it and they were scattered. And yet he makes this statement about them that They rejoice with glorious and inexpressible joy. The first thing that I think we need to understand from the words from Peter is that stronger joy springs up from enjoying God himself. Enjoying God himself. In Psalm 16, 11, the psalmist says this about God. He says, you reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy, or some translations say fullness of joy. 
at your right hand are eternal pleasures. What the psalmist is saying and what the chorus of scripture tells us is that when you come closer to God, what actually happens is you experience joy, abundant, full joy. I don't know what you picture when you picture coming close to God. Is it joy? Is it eternal pleasures? Because that's what the scriptures declare to us, that when we draw near to God, we actually experience abundant joy. It's like joy springs up from God himself and from our enjoyment of God himself. Now, in our culture, you know, this definition of happiness, of getting what I want when I want it, and it's, it's a pursuit of really worldly, worldly things. And the problem with those worldly things is that when you get them, and God in his great mercy may allow you to get them, so that when you do, you realize that it never actually delivers what it promises. And you thought, man, once I get that thing, once I finally get that, that pleasure, that comfort, that symbol, that, that prestige that I wanted, then man, oh, I'm going to be so happy. And then you got there and you realized it's not enough. It's not enough. God is the true source of satisfaction. And God, in his mercy, he awakens us. It's the, the word that Peter uses here is, is in verse three. He says, because of his great mercy, he's given us new birth. And this miracle of new birth, God awakens us to the reality of how good and satisfying and joyful that he is. It's like God lets us drive the Ferrari. <laughs> and then we look back at the worldly pleasures and it looks like the old Ford Pinto compared to what we've just experience. You see, stronger joy springs up from enjoying God himself. The second thing that we need to understand is that stronger joy savors God's scandalous mercy. Now, here's the thing about mercy, right? If you've grown up around church, you've been a Christian for a while, you know, okay, Jesus loves me. He gave his life for me. He died on a cross. If I believe in him, I'll be forgiven. I'll spend eternity with him forever. Amen. And you can lose the joy of your salvation because what happens is your view of God actually kind of gets small and you forget the reality of the situation you see, when you understand how desperate your situation really is, your condition in your sin, when you recognize, get this, we don't talk about this as much as we should, the terrifying holiness of God. 
When you take in and take to heart the words of Paul, for example, in Romans 1, 18, where he says, for God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. God's wrath. When you read the, the, the Old Testament pictures of God, who's angry, or you see the prophetic pictures of, of Jesus treading the wine press in his wrath. Like when you really get to see the full dimensions of God's character, the terrifying holiness and the the depravity of your own condition. When, when you're so frustrated that you can't fix yourself, you can't get yourself out of this condition by being better or by more works or by morality. When you're finally crushed by your self-salvation projects or haunted by a conscience that won't come clean. And then you hear, a phrase like we just read because of his great mercy he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead when you hear the announcement that there's one who forgives that there's one who pays the pardon one who washes us white as snow who cancels our debt who accepts the lowly one who opens blind eyes and blind hearts one who shields the adulterer from religious accusers and then takes religious accusers and turns them into the greatest apostles the world has ever known when you hear news like that and you believe it, Peter says, we experience the new birth. And what happens is our wonder changes. We have a new wonder. And we begin to savor the scandalous mercy of God that you, through Jesus, through believing in him, through being born again by the sovereign miracle of God, can look in the mirror first thing in the morning and have written over your forehead, approved by the most high God, accepted by the scandalous mercy of Jesus. And when we, when we begin to savor that, we actually find joy, joy, Joy. It's like we just get catapulted into heights of joy when we savor the mercy of God. The third thing that we need to understand is that stronger joy sees suffering differently. Now, let me just kind of play out a scenario. Maybe you've experienced this before. You tell a Christian friend about a struggle you're having. You pour out your heart. You, re you reveal things. You're vulnerable with them. You tell them about how difficult it is. And then they uh, respond to you with a verse like James 1 that says, Consider it pure joy, my brother, my sister, when you experience trials of many kinds. And as a good Christian, you uh, thank them for listening and for sharing that with them. 
But in your heart, you're thinking, oh, I'll give you something to consider right now, (laughs) right? Because it feels trite. And I want to say this to you without any triteness, because I know some of you are going through really, really hard things. You're going through struggles. You're going through suffering. You're going through um, affliction and trial. And I just want you to see, not Chris's words, God's words, that stronger joy sees suffering differently. We see it here in this passage. Peter says this about our struggle. In verse six, you rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What he's saying is like stronger joy sees suffering differently because it converts suffering into a doorway for more joy. A doorway for more joy. Now, what happens is we have this kind of faulty theology kind of swimming around in our world and it gets in our heads and it says things like this, that God only wants to prosper me by giving me more of fill in the blank, right? More uh, money, more health, more more stuff, more material things, better jobs, but better whatever, right? It's like, that's the only way that God prospers people. And so that's how he's prospering me. And if there's something that's hard or difficult or that creates trial or or makes me uncomfortable, then God's not in that. No, because that's not how he works. And so uh, if it's difficult, it's not from God. It's probably from the devil, Or there can be another idea that flows around our minds that says that the body and blood of Jesus was really good, but it wasn't quite totally enough. It wasn't fully sufficient, so I have to pay in more through suffering. I want to tell you, if those thoughts have been in your mind, that is false. I want to tell you by the word of God, by the authority of Jesus Christ, that that is absolutely wrong. And those ways of thinking will never actually result in more joy for you. They just won't. We have to see our suffering differently. It's a doorway to more Joy. You see, what the scriptures teach us is that suffering, trial, and affliction produce endurance. That word means the strength to withstand hardship. It's what we talked about last week. It creates proven character. Like there's, there's this thing that gets refined in us. Like it has a way of actually burning up like fire, like gold in a furnace. It burns up all the false things that we've been building our joy on. And it leaves us at the end with what only could ever fill us with joy. It leaves us with a proven and genuine faith in the true joy giver. 
suffering is just a doorway to more joy. So don't run from the fire because there's gold in there. The second way that it, it, it helps us see suffering differently is that stronger joy sees past today's struggles to the horizon of heaven. That's what Peter's telling them here in these passages, right? He's, he's telling them about this, uh, this suffering that's going to re- result in, in this um, proving of genuine faith, and it's going to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He told them earlier in verse 5 that they were being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. He tells them about this inheritance that's coming, and it's undefiled, it's unfading, and it's kept in heaven for you. He's just saying, look, people, you're going through hard things. You're going through trial. Lift your eyes. Can you see the horizon? Your life may feel like a marathon of mile after grueling mile. And I just want you to know that at the end of a marathon, there's a finish line and there's people gathered with banners and they're cheering like a cloud of witnesses. And there's going to come a moment where we, you and I step out of this temporary little earthly life that we live and we step into more joy because the new birth of Jesus, believing that he's the true joy giver in our lives. We see suffering differently. Lastly, stronger joy releases rejoicing. When C.S. Lewis was just becoming a, a Christian, he was just beginning to believe and he's reading the Bible and he kept getting tripped up on the Psalms because there was all this like, call to praise God. And he, he said it portrayed God um, as craving for our worship, like a vain woman who wants compliments, like, hey, build me up, tell me how great I am, how good looking I am, and all that kind of stuff. And it actually became a stumbling block for him as he was reading the Psalms. And then later, he kind of did some more uh, soul searching, and he wrote this in a book that was called Reflections on the Psalms, a word about praise. Here's what C.S. Lewis writes. He says, but the most obvious fact about praise, whether of God or of anything, has strangely escaped me. I thought of it in terms of compliment, approval, or the giving of honor. I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. The world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses, readers their favorite poet, walkers praising the countryside, players praising their favorite game. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. You see what Peter says here what C.S. Lewis writes about. That there's this, this rejoicing with inexpressible and glorious joy that springs out of a heart that's been reconnected with the source of joy. Stronger joy releases 
rejoicing. That word rejoice would be like festal joy, like singing and dancing in celebration and praise and worship. I'm reminded of this beautiful picture of the Messiah's work in Isaiah chapter 61. And in that chapter, he talks about the Messiah that would give us a garment of praise, of rejoicing, instead of a spirit of despair. A Messiah that would take mourning and turn it into dancing. Stronger joy releases rejoicing. So, what do we do with all this? Well, there's, there's three things that I want to point you to, and maybe the Spirit is speaking something specifically to you. The first thing is don't misinterpret the twists and turns of your life. Don't misinterpret the twists and turns of your life. If you're going down a, 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 a difficult you know, part of your life and you're thinking God's punishing me, he's mad at me, he's, it's like Jesus' blood wasn't enough, like he's having, making me pay for something. I just want you to know that it's not right. And some of you are thinking, I'm going through hardship and, and it must be the devil. Like it's gotta be the devil. Like there's no way that God would allow me to suffer. And I just want you to remember these words that we've looked at today. Don't misinterpret the twists and turns of your life because trial, suffering, affliction is a doorway to more joy. Second thing, look up. I mean, look up. As the psalmist said, I lift my eyes up to the hill. Where does my help comes from? My help comes from you. You have a helper. You have strength. I want you to lift your eyes to the heavenly horizon to look past what's right in front of you right now. Lift your eyes up. And the third thing, rejoice. Rejoice. There was a song that we used to sing back in the days. And it was this song that said, we break the heavy yoke when we shout to the Lord. And there was something about this song, you know, it felt almost goofy, but like beautifully liberating. We would sing, shout to the Lord, and we would talk about breaking the heavy yoke. And there's something about rejoicing. There's a song that we sing currently. It says, this is how I fight my battles. And it's talking about worship. I want to encourage you in this season to release rejoicing, to worship, to let joy bubble up inside of you in songs and dancing around your living room to worship music, to praising the most high God. So don't misinterpret the twists and turns of life. Look up and rejoice. I'm going to close with a story pastor named John Tyson from Church of the City in New York had taken some people on a church retreat and the timing was terrible because as he took them on the retreat, a massive hurricane rolled into New York. And so there they are, eight families that are uh, on this retreat, this 
terrible weather comes through and knocks out the power and, and all eight families are kind of gathered into this lodge just to kind of to, to ride out this terrible weather that's going to take, you know, days to pass over. And so there they are in, in this house, in this lodge. And he said at first it was fun, right? We, we lit candles, we played board games, and it was fun for a moment. <laughs> then all of a sudden it's like, how, how are we going to cook? And, and the sleeping arrangements got like really difficult. And, and, you know, the kids started to not have so much fun. And he's like, man, it just turned bad. And so to kind of escape and clear his mind and kind of pray, he would take walks. And on a walk, he was out. And what he saw in the midst of, of these cabins that were all black, turned off, everything turned off because all the power is off. He saw one cabin where the lights were on. In fact, he looked in and he could see a woman cooking her food. He's like, oh, wow, we're we're living like the the Stone Age people over here and here she is cooking her food. He kind of walked further and then walked back up to the house and he looked over again and he's walking back and he sees her in there eating her food, watching television. And he thought, oh, that sounds nice. And he said, you know, what struck me about that is that here was a person who had another power source when everyone else's power source had been shut down. You see, when it comes to joy, when it comes to real happiness, we live in a world where everybody's happiness has been resisted, shut down. But there are some people who have this Holy Spirit work, this true source of joy that actually have a joy source in the middle of a great storm. So where does your joy come from? What brings joy to your heart? Maybe through this, God is re- calibrating your wonder and you will get everything you want when you begin to want everything that God is your true source of stronger joy let's pray together thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast to contact us or find out more information visit rin-church.org 